chapter thirteen of the widow married a sequel to the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen a satisfactory disclosure and a judicious proposal a conjugal tete-a-tete terminating in very amiable resolutions it is quite bedtime mamma is it not said elizabeth hubert as the door closed after the o'donagough family i am very very sleepy good-night my dear replied her mother holding up her face to receive the farewell salute good-night papa said elizabeth passing on to her father but before he accepted the kiss offered to him he detained her by the hand for a moment saying what makes you look so very weary to-night my dear girl have you walked more than usual to-day no papa we have walked very little to-day replied the young lady what is the matter then dearest you do not feel unwell i hope do you elizabeth stopped short in the middle of a yawn to laugh oh no papa pray do not send for the doctor i feel perfectly well only very sleepy perhaps you are tired of talking elizabeth you and your young cousin have had time for a great deal of conversation did she tell you much about new south wales demanded her father elizabeth shook her head and she replied no not a word what then did you talk about asked the general elizabeth again laughed and again shook her head is that shake of the head to be considered as oracular as that of my lord burley does it mean a very great deal said her father it means papa that i really and truly do not know what she talked about replied elizabeth that is to say you forget it i presume my dear that when the discourse was going on you knew of what subject or subjects it treated no indeed papa i did not was the quick reply my cousin said a great many things altogether i believe but i quite mean that i do not know what they were all about i did not always understand her did you find her upon the whole an agreeable companion elizabeth in reply to this direct inquiry miss hubert after hanging down her head a little and looking for a minute or two rather embarrassed replied no papa i did not and i do not think that my cousin martha found me an agreeable companion either nor do i believe that we shall ever be very great friends why so my dear said her father drawing her somewhat closer to him because she does not seem to know or care the least in the world about anything that i like and i do not know or care at all more concerning all she talks about well elizabeth replied her father this is unfortunate but perhaps not very extraordinary however you know we may be all very kind and obliging to her nevertheless oh certainly papa of course because she is a very near relation only perhaps as she is so very womanly mamma would invite her next time to dine with you and let emily and me come into the drawing-room before you come upstairs as usual and then for the rest of the evening and when we are all together i should not mind it at all mrs hubert who had changed her place while this conversation was going on and seated herself close behind her husband whose arm was thrown round his daughter could hardly repress a smile at this improved plan of operations but she did not permit it to be seen and said with much matter-of-fact gravity i believe you are right my dear and if her mamma makes no objection i certainly will do so accident education perhaps the climate in which she was born seem to have made this young cousin prematurely a woman and throwing you together as girls of the same age must i have no doubt be equally irksome to both we will not do so again elizabeth good-night dearest 
miss hubert repaid this expression of maternal sympathy with a very tender kiss and bestowing one also on her father with rather more fondness than usual as if to show that she was exceedingly obliged by having encountered no opposition to the extraordinary measures she had been bold enough to recommend she left the room apparently in excellent spirits and without any external symptoms remaining of the extreme weariness of which she had complained miss wilmot is right exclaimed mrs hubert as soon as the door was closed there is evidently no danger of elizabeth's liking this terrible cousin too well why yes my dear replied the general i think you may be tolerably easy on that point and now agnes to speak without any jesting at all i trust that your spirits will recover their tranquillity and that you will cease to look every now and then as if you had just recollected some dreadful calamity that was hanging over you the cause my love is really not sufficient to justify the effect we are not the first people in the world depend upon it who have had a queer-looking set of cousins arrive from distant lands to claim kindred with them will you promise not to worry yourself about it any more yes montague i shall behave better now but i cannot tell you how i have dreaded the seeing my pure-minded ingenuous elizabeth falling into any tone of intimacy with my unfortunate young cousin and yet it seemed almost inevitable when two young things of equal age were thrown together but i did not do our girl justice dear creature i ought to have felt from the first that it was impossible i think so madonna replied general hubert rather reproachfully however i will forgive this misdoubting of the wisdom and good taste of fourteen if you will promise to support with perfect equanimity whatever effervescence may chance to arise from the superabundance of these good gifts of threescore and ten i confess to you agnes i rather dread the arrival of aunt betsy and so do i too replied his wife laughing but it is with a very different sort of dread from what i felt when in doubt as to the effect that might be produced by this new acquaintance on elizabeth and my dear kind-hearted father too he will be here in a fortnight and i perfectly well know what will happen at first he will feel that he cannot be too kind too cordial in his welcome to my aunt whereupon she will stun him with her eloquence smother him with her affection wear his spirits out by her incessant calls upon his admiration for her daughter till he grows nervous falls into a fit of the gout and instead of benefiting by the sea breezes we have promised him he will shut himself up in his room without saying a word about his sufferings to anybody but suffering martyrdom nevertheless yes that will be the progress exactly from benignity that desires the happiness of all the world to a gentle melancholy meekly resigning every hope of it for himself nevertheless i think that by keeping guard over him pretty watchfully i may be able perhaps to save him from a good deal of it but who can keep guard over aunt betsy who can prevent her seeing everything hearing everything comprehending everything and acting accordingly if she is very outrageous we must laugh at her replied agnes not but it will be hers to laugh at us first do you remember her prognostications and her prophecies montague when mrs o'donagough first renewed the intercourse with us will she not have some cause to triumph now no 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 dear not the least in the world replied the general there will be room enough in our little island depend upon it both for the o'donagough race and the huberts too and we must be very silly folks certainly if we cannot contrive to see as little of them as our own sense of propriety will permit us to do unquestionably it should be so returned agnes musingly and therefore we will trust that so it will be but do tell me montague what sort of conversation did that solemn-looking mr o'donagough entertain you with after we left the table 
he is a singular-looking man with an expression of countenance that seems to hover between natural audacity and affected sanctification yes replied the general it is a remarkably puzzling face and manner too i cannot make him out did he talk much no very little and i doubt if aunt betsy herself could have found much to object to in anything he uttered nevertheless i dislike him without being able exactly to explain why nay general hubert i think that riddle may be easily read replied agnes both in person and manner he is coarse and ungentlemanlike true yet that seems hardly sufficient to explain the feeling i have about him there was an evident air of restraint in every word he uttered yet it did not seem to proceed from what is usually called shyness either for his conversation such as it was consisted chiefly of questions concerning all our family connections and in a style of pertinacity too which shyness i think would gamble from your father in particular and frederick seemed to possess a strong hold upon his travelled memory i suppose that was because my father was so very civil and good-natured the night of the famous leave-taking in mrs peter's drawing-room replied mrs hubert yes certainly that may account for it as far as your father is concerned but of the two i think mr o'donagough's interests seem to be most keenly awake respecting everything of and concerning frederick stephenson and i do not remember that frederick did anything towards making an acquaintance with him on that memorable evening beyond reconnoitring him from a distant sofa through nora's eyeglass which was if you remember the mode by which at that time fred constantly assisted all defects real or imaginary in his visual organs oh i can see him now returned agnes laughing how well i remember his attitude as she naughty girl hid her laughing face behind him i am sure it is very good-natured in mr o'donagough if he saw all that and forgave it he appears perfectly to have forgiven it i assure you inquired with an air of great interest where frederick chiefly resided asked if he was as gay and lively as ever and if i mistake not begged to know how many children he had summing up the whole by assuring me that it would give him great pleasure to meet him again well certainly that does look like being in a very friendly and affectionate frame of mind replied mrs hubert and fortunately nora never hears their names mentioned without declaring that she wished for nothing so much as to meet my aunt barnaby again i therefore see nothing to stop the renewal of the acquaintance so auspiciously begun through nora's eyeglass by the way agnes resumed the general did not your aunt barnaby on that occasion introduce her bridegroom as the reverend mr o'donagough oh yes certainly she did and i presume he is the reverend mr o'donagough still is he not returned mrs hubert i do not feel quite competent to answer that question replied her husband he certainly did not tell me he was not yet somehow or other i doubt it i think from his appearance that it is most probable he went out as a missionary not of the church of england and if so it is as likely as not that on returning he left his frock behind him he said something about young men's first ardent impressions and opinions being liable to change and then muttered something about himself as being an example of this but i felt no inclination for the autobiography which i fancied was coming upon me and as he did not seem inclined to take wine i put a stop to it by joining you very skilfully managed said agnes and to say truth i have sufficient faith in your generalship mon general to prevent my having much fear about your individual annoyance but of all our difficulties the greatest is behind alas 
montague who is it must break to aunt betsy on her arrival the astounding fact that her niece martha is in europe in england in sussex in brighton perhaps in this very house who is it general hubert that will tell her this dearest agnes it can only be yourself replied the husband maliciously hubert have you the heart why no i rather think i have not he replied but do you not think the wisest way will be for us to go through the scene together if you insist upon my making the announcement tete-a-tete -tete, you will have it all to go through again afterwards true most true let us be together montague and pray my love resumed the general laughing do you think it will be necessary to surround yourself with the same sort of chevaux de frise when the event is made known to your father oh no not at all i am quite sure that everything which recalls the memory of my poor mother has a charm for him and then observe he has never seen my aunt barnaby as you did montague in the terrible days of her clifton brilliance still less if possible does he know anything of her various offences against aunt betsy so that to this moment he is perfectly free from any feeling of dislike towards her of any kind he must be aware i suppose that we have quizzed her letters a little but that's nothing and do you not think dearest montague that it will be but right and proper to leave him as much as possible in the same favourable state of mind towards her poor thing i fear she is not more likely to make friends now than formerly and her plea of being my own mother's sister does often come upon me with a painful conviction of its strength let it not be painful dear agnes replied her husband kindly you may be obliging and useful to her in many ways which need not interfere with our own comfort depend upon it the worst part of the reunion is over what elizabeth says of the young lady will infallibly prove true of the whole party they are not at all more likely to like us than we are to like them and i shrewdly suspect they are all three yawning at this moment with as much genuine weariness as ourselves so let us go to rest dearest without permitting our australian cousins to haunt us even in our dreams End of chapter thirteen